If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to Quadruple Overtime. I'm Tyler. I'm David. And today on the podcast, we have Mike Vorkanoff from The Athletic uh, talking basketball. And before we get into the podcast, Tyler, I have to like uh, make like a PSA announcement. Is we, We're talking about the Knicks a lot, and for some reason, I kept saying Pat Ewing. I never said Patrick. I kept saying Pat. I have no clue why. So, with everything going on in the world, that's the PSA you want to go out to the public. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want people to know. <laughs> that you call them Pat Ewing, not Patrick. Listen, everyone I knows what's I... going on, and this is what's happening in my life right now. <laughs> the, I, I think Pat Ewing, I like calling him Pat Ewing. I mean, you get the full name if you get a ring. Ooh, low Ooh. blow. Ooh. Yeah, but... <laughs> When everyone's talking about him, like no one says Mike Jordan. Maybe they should start. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no one's ever call him Mike Jordan. And you, you, know, if you my favorite players yeah. in the '90s: Mike Jordan, Scott Pippen, Pat Ewing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the, no one calls him Cal Ripken? They all call him Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> Is his name Calvin? It might be right. I don't know. What's I don't know. Maybe we'll get some fan mail. People can look it up. But I'm very excited for the podcast today because, like everyone else, I miss basketball. And we have the perfect guest if we miss basketball. And his name is Calvin Edwin Ripken Jr. You're right. Calvin. We don't have Cal Ripken on the podcast. I said we have the perfect guest. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like if Cal Rip- we don't have Cal Ripken on the podcast. Well, yeah, Mike Vorkanoff <laughs> today. He's a great writer. Um also, he at the end of the podcast, he talks about uh, the Athletic right now is giving out a free 90-day trial, so sign up for the Athletic, free 90 days, courtesy of Mike Vorkanoff. Sounds great. All right, let's All do right. it. So welcome back. Uh, today with us, we have Mike Vorkanoff, who is the Knicks and NBA reporter for the Athletic and co-founder of the 30 Newsletter. Mike, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, happy to be here. We've all we've all got the time to do everything right now. Yeah, and I, I guess think. by here I mean uh, virtually. <laughs> yeah, uh, on this Skype call, we are here on this Skype call. So, how much has your day to day changed? Uh, I saw that you guys are running the the Knicks one on one tournament right now. I think I, I just <laughs> I just voted for Pat Ewing. So by the time this gets out, we'll know who won. But um. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see who wins, him or Carmelo. I guess we'll we'll know soon enough. I my my life is, uh, I think, like everyone else, has changed dramatically. Um, you know, this is we're talking now. It's uh, you know April sixth. Uh, this there's supposed to be still another nine days of Knicks games. I think I was supposed to be in like Oklahoma City tomorrow, if I remember right. Maybe I'm in Oklahoma City now in this you know uh, bizarro opposite world. And now I've been at home for the last um, almost a month. You know and. Uh, work has been extremely different. Life has been extremely different. 
Um, I think this is the first time that all of us are going at a time when there are no sports, when there is no entertainment, there's no culture, but uh, what is going on in the news? Yeah, have you been, did you watch any old games? I tried to watch some old games, but, uh, you know, when you know what's going to happen, I'm kind of like, okay, let's get to the fourth quarter. I want to see it. I've watched, I've been a little selective. Um, I I watched a, uh, okay, so I've tried to do, like, this is this is life when you're trying to report on basketball when there is no basketball going on. So I've tried to figure out different things I can write about. One of them was like looking through old Knicks games and moments and trying to talk to people about them. So like I rewatched game seven of the 2000 Eastern Conference semifinals between the Knicks and Heat. And then I talked to Chris Childs about it. Uh, I did that with the future yeah. thing with like Jamal Crawford. And then honestly, and I, I think the experience of how you... Um, go through this quarantine may differ whether you have kids or not. I have a kid and I have never been as busy as I have been since we started quarantining. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I'm trying to still work during the day. And then by the time, like I stop working and I'm done taking care of her, I pass out on my couch at like eight o'clock and I just, I watch like community on Netflix for the you know second time or whatever. It's just, it's been crazy. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't had time to watch that much basketball just because I've barely been awake after I'm done with everything. Or is this the perfect time for uh, parents with young kids to introduce them to the Knicks, like the old Knicks? It's like, perfect. We're going to watch uh, <laughs> the 1971 finals right now. If you're a Knicks fan, like, show them some 90s Knicks games right now. Like, yeah, right? show them those Bulls, Knicks games, those Pacers, Knicks games. Um, maybe... Uh, kind of throw like a parental guidance warning if it's Knicks Heat games because those are really ugly and then also there was actually a lot of fighting involved so I guess it depends how old your kids are uh, but yeah it's a great time to to show them Knicks games up until uh, like 2001. Yeah exactly I think it was weird because uh, I grew up in the city and I grew up a big Knicks fan and till this day my favorite number is number 10 because of Walt like that was always my number growing up. <laughs> is that your favorite Knicks player? Yeah, but it's weird because I, I never saw him play, obviously. You know, uh, I was born in the 90s. Um, and then Pat Ewing. But I have to say, I have, I have an embarrassing story about Pat Ewing is when he was an assistant coach to the Rockets. Remember Van Gundy went to coach the Rockets uh, for a little? Yeah. Um, and he brought all the Knicks on as a coaching staff. And mm-hmm. uh, Pat Ewing was – Patrick was uh, – I don't know, like, I've seen Pat as if we're good friends. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, Patrick was an assistant co- coach, and I, they were playing the Warriors, and we happened to be at the same hotel, and we were in the lobby, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Patrick Ewing. He's, like, my favorite player ever. And I went up to him to ask for an autograph, and he just said no. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was like, But oh. are you still a Patrick Ewing fan? Oh, I am, yeah. It's really, it's really like, hard. Like, did that scar you? It, a little bit, a little. It scarred me a little bit. It was like a little bit of my childhood died when Pat Ewing uh, shooed me away. Mm. Well, I think that's why they say you never want to meet your heroes, right? I know, I know. And so, but you grew you up. You would have been better off. You would have been better off getting like stiff armed by Charles Smith or something. Yeah, exactly. But I will say, because uh, Charles Oakley and what's his name, Mark Jackson, Charles Oakley and Mark Jackson were on were on the coaching staff as well. And they were extremely nice. Charles Oakley was couldn't have been nicer. <laughs> I, I I mean, I think despite his on-court agitating uh, reputation, he, he seems like a nice enough guy in real life. 
Yeah, because when you grew up uh, a Knicks fan as well. I did, yeah. I grew up in, well, kind of. I mean, I moved to this country in the mid-90s, and the Bulls were obviously all the rage at that point. You kind of, there was like a, a pull to Michael Jordan, and so I was a big Jordan fan, and then I watched um, just the NBA for fun. I just, I liked everything. And then I think I kind of became a Knicks fan for a little bit in high school. Uh, and then once I started doing the job um, right, out of, right out of college, I, I kind of just, I left all my fandoms behind. Um, and so that, you know, I was, I was a Knicks fan there for a few years, but I, I think my like childhood memories were of being a Jordan and Bulls fan. Cause that was kind of the, um, the cultural pull when you're, when you're an immigrant to this country and you see basketball and you see Michael Jordan. And so you're like, okay, you got to root for greatness. Yeah. And, uh, for you as a reporter versus a fan, what's the biggest difference? Like, how do you separate your fandom and seeing it through a fan's eye versus seeing it through an unbiased reporter's uh, lens. Well, I haven't been a fan for a while. I mean, I've been doing this, um, God, and this is going to like age me. I've been a reporter as a job for, um, I think it's almost nine years now. And so I haven't been a fan for a while, but I understand the, the or I try to understand the fan's perspective as much as I can. Like I, I don't really get bothered by, um, when fans are expressing their opinion and it might be like a little irrational because I think the whole point of being a fan is to be irrational. Um, and I, and I think it's to be emotional and, and it's to be heated in bad moments and exciting and good moments. And I try to always remember that. And I try to, you know, think about my interactions with people that way. And also what people will care about when I'm trying to figure out what to write about. And I, I, I try, I hope I do an okay job of that. Um, and, but I always try to keep that in the back of my mind. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Knicks fans, irrational? Uh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> I think every fan base has its level of irrational fans. I mean, I used to cover the Mets, and uh, every fan base is different in the sa- in different ways. Um, they, you know, they have their own peculiar things that bother them that make them happy. Or, you know, I feel like Mets fans are a lot more sarcastic. Um, but I-, I think that they are similar in the in the level of emotion that they have, however they express it. There's a lot more anger, I think, than than uh, irrationality most times. I was just reading a book about sports writers uh, talking about their favorite games, their top three games they've ever attended. If I was to ask you your top three games, this could be as even as your reporter the last few years or maybe your, your first few games coming in uh, into the NBA. Um, do you have a t- top game that stands out to you? Here's why I don't. Because my NBA reporting uh, career has been covering the Knicks, and the Knicks have not been good in any of those years. So it's hard to say like anything stands out. Like career-wise, a lot of baseball games come into it because I cover the Mets when they when they made their World Series run, and I covered yeah. um, like Yankees playoff games, and so I covered the, like the Stanley Cup for a little bit when the Devils made it, and so those stand out to me more than the last like three years of Knicks games because nothing's really stood out about the last three years of Knicks games. And I don't even, even say that even not, not only meanly, Knicks games, just, it's just, just fact. In, just in general, do you have your uh, your top three not, yeah, not in order, I, just top three games you ever attended? Yeah, I think Game Three of the 2015 uh, 2015. Um, NLDS between the Mets and Dodgers. That was right yeah. after Ruben Tejada had his leg broken in LA. Um, yeah, but, but and everyone's City Field. Chase Utley, yeah, yeah. That was just like a very, very emotional night, and you could like feel the anger and the hatred towards Chase Utley in the stands that day. You know, um, I've, I've still 
I have some friends from Philly who are big, you know, still they keep Chase Utley as their own, and they still defend him that that was a clean play. I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's one of the dirtiest <laughs> plays you'll ever see I, in baseball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tend to fall on, like, even if that's 50-50, that's kind of dirty. Um, oh. He did slide out of the way to get to hot, if I remember correctly. I, I can't I can't agree with that point of view. Yeah. Um. I, I think the going to Wrigley Field for NLCS games was amazing. Um, you know, it was just really cool to be in that venue for a game that important. I don't know what it was like covering them in the World Series the year after, but like even at the end, and at the end, the uh, NLCS, it was really cool. And I guess um, I'm trying to think. You know, covering a playoff game, I, I forget. I think it was the 2011 playoffs. I was there for like Jorge Posada's last game ever, and that was that was really cool to cover. I feel like a memorable game has to be like two things when it comes to like one of your top three games. It's like the game meant something. That's why playoffs always make it. And then like the stands, like something really crazy happened that wasn't just like uh, they won seven two and it was a blowout that you don't remember. Yeah, I mean you got to have a connection, right? There's got to be a personal connection to why we remember games that we do. So you know whether it's like a career first or like one of your favorite players retiring or something like that i think that's why games stand out in our minds so as you know a young parent how do you feel about taking your kid to games like when, when do you introduce them to sports uh, any any parenting advice on how to get the kids into sports mine is pretty young she's uh she's only like uh just turned a year uh, she's 13 months i think my uh, yeah. decision so on what's whether your plan to yeah yeah <laughs> So my plan is not to go to a game until I think she can sit through it. That's it. That's for my sake, honestly. I, I can't just be chasing a kid up and down the stands for like in two and a half hours. That's just too exhausting for me. Yeah, but what game? Are you on basketball? Like, At what point do you bring... I think baseball. I think baseball is a good one to ease a kid into. Just because it's yeah. a little slower. Um, the pace. I think the pace is best for a child. Because you can get up and run around if you need to. And not miss like significant portions of the game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember exactly all the games I went to, but I definitely have memories of like sitting on my dad and grandpa's lap at the games, which is funny that I remember like that aspect of the game more than the game itself, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but that was like the connection for you. You enjoyed going uh, with your family instead of just whatever the game was that day. Hopefully, get live live sports back soon. But if they don't, so like we're in a weird spot with the NBA season. A lot of speculation on what happens, whether it's a shortened tournament in Vegas or, you know, it, it's, if the season gets extended, you can't have a draft in the summer when the season's still going on. So what happens with the draft? Any guesses on your part of what, how you see the season playing out? Honestly, I don't know because, like, no one knows. That's the thing. This, this decision isn't made um, in large part by the leagues, right? Um, it's being made by health officials, by government officials. This is something that is kind of dictated to them because they've they've got to get the okay, you know, from like the governor of a state to to just even have people in the arena. I think it was the governor of California said uh, yesterday that he can't imagine football games in the fall in the state of California. Well, he has some say over that, right? There's probably a ban on. Uh, gatherings of people of more than like 10 or whatever it is so they are the ones who can have the most influence on this uh before the leagues do like whatever whatever plans the leagues have um either the you know the government officials have to assent to them or they're essentially like jurisdiction shopping and hoping that they can find a place 
that'll have, you know, like a hundred people in one, in one building all at once. If there's anyone that would do it, it would be, uh, Nevada and Las Vegas. I could see the tournament being in Las Vegas. Like, a, a, even if it's not the playoffs, but they do something. I saw someone floating around. They do like a horse tournament or a one-on-one or just something abbreviated. Yeah. I mean, you got to find the state that's willing to do it. That has its, um, you know, that, that kind of has its rules lax enough to allow that. You also got to find a place that has enough testing, right? To, yeah. You have to test all these players and coaches or officials or whoever, like whatever you're trying to do. Um, so that's all got to be in place to allow that to happen. So it's really just, you know, there's so many things out of their control that I, I have no idea. I'm kind of interested to see what the draft is going to look like for the NFL um, later this month. And I think maybe that'll be a good um, kind of little precursor to see what an NBA draft might look like. If it has to be, um, you know, online only the WNBA is going to have theirs I think April 17th I want to say so they're going to be doing theirs online only so like all these things are going to allow us to imagine what basketball could do later in a few months from now if they need to it's kind of weird because everyone's in like a limbo and nobody knows like there's no right answer That's, isn't that kind of where we're all at as like citizens right now like we yeah, don't right? know like, when this quarantine will end we don't know how long we'll be stuck in our houses our apartments whatever um, you know, we're all kind of in the same purgatory. Yeah, which is kind of like a, a nice thing to know that it's not just an isolating thing that you're the only one going through it. You're like, oh, every, everyone's going through it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess we ha- we have that type of um, shared experience right now. A lot of the leagues are trying to show old games, and I was watching the uh, the 2003 national championship uh, on CBS the other night where Syracuse and Mello won over Kansas. That's uh, Nick Collison's Kansas team. Man, I really thought, watching Mello in 2003, it's amazing to see how his career has just the ebbs and flow of Carmelo Anthony. I mean, you covered covering Mello firsthand. I mean, he's kind of a, plays both the role of the villain and the hero sometimes. It's kind of a weird dichotomy right yeah i mean even amongst knicks fans there's a like still a good amount of knicks fans that aren't big like mellow fans for one reason or another he's had a really interesting career that way i mean he um i think uh you know like trying to decide whether the knicks won that trade with the nuggets is even difficult i i kind of think they did there's a lot of knicks fans who see that as the inflection point that just kind of doomed them to mediocrity for a while because carmel decided not to opt out and he wanted to get traded, and they traded away, you know, so many players and picks uh, to get him from Denver. And like, I, I think um, he's in this—he's in this interesting place uh, for Knicks fans, which I'm sure. I mean, you've thought about this when, whether you like him or not, and like what your friends who are Knicks fans feel about him too. With the trade, I'm a little biased because I—I loved Danilo. I still love Danilo Gallinari. Um, and when we traded him, I was like, no, not Gallo. <laughs> I mean, you could re-sign him this summer. Uh, not re-sign him, but, you, you know, the Knicks can sign yeah, exactly. him this summer. I guess the argument about if we lost a trade is, could we have? Could the Knicks have waited a few more months and just waited for the season to end and Melo was going to become a free agent? And then you could have just signed him as a free agent instead of trading everything away. But uh, who knows? Yeah, that's a little bit of game theory right there. And, and Melo won that, won that game. Oh, 100%. I think as a as a businessman, I mean, say what you want, that he took the extension, took the money. Melo's out here winning the game. Not not the I, championships, I, I guess, it. but he's he's a he's a mover and shaker. 
Yeah, I, I respect it. Um, you know, you know, there's only so many things you can control as a professional athlete. Your destination and how much money you make are one of them. And so he chose to retain maximum agency over his career. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Do you have any uh, mellow moments that stand out to you covering the Knicks uh, during his time there? I was only there for that 2016-17 season when him and Phil Jackson were kind of um, in this weird war of words openly, which I don't, I don't know that you really see that often. I, I always like covering him, and I think the guys on the beat do, because he was always friendly and available to the media. He would always talk. He would usually say something interesting or smart or um, something he thought through. And I, like that's a dream scenario for reporters to cover a superstar who's willing to talk and say things. Um, and I think that season was just weird cause it was him versus Phil. And he, I think even Mello would just, you know, Phil, like, I don't think he didn't talk that entire year. And so he never acknowledged the weirdness of the situation, but Carmelo would. And, and that's just, that's like, you know, like one of those, what is going on, uh, type of situations where everyone's kind of confused why it's happening. Yeah. I think that like every athlete kind of has gotten the same media training where they just come out and it's almost like an SNL skit. They're just like, you know, we played very well together. We uh, we were a team. Uh, anything that was a problem was my fault. Thank you so much. And you're like, oh, my goodness, are you a robot? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's what the media relations teams are for at all these teams. They want to get their players out. Uh, well, some some of them I, I don't, but, like, you know, mostly it's you want to get them in and out uh, without saying anything bad or anything dumb or anything that will get them in the headlines the next day. Nobody was better at saying nothing than Derek Cheater. He never, he never said anything. It was unbelievable. Well, until he got to Miami, and then, you know, he got a lot more <laughs> scrutiny when you're not getting 3,000 yeah. hits and winning titles. Exactly. So covering all these different teams from the Mets to the Devils to the Knicks, any one favorite player? I want to say your favorite, but one of your favorite players to, uh, to cover and interact with in the clubhouse? David Wright was always great. Um, he was always available. He's such a nice guy. Um, very professional and captainy, as you might say. Um, you know, Carmelo was good to be around. I'm trying to think um, if there's kind of like lesser, lesser known guys that stood out. Um, you know, sometimes like it's good. You the the people that you enjoy most covering are like the relief pitchers in the bullpen or like the eighth guy on the team that are kind of. Um, more available and they have fewer guards up because not as many people are talking to them and and they kind of understand where their their role is but you know for the stars i would say those two david wright and and carmelo anthony were great to cover yeah i'm a i'm a yankee fan um but i did go to david wright's last home game and i felt kind of bad because i was really pulling for him it was kind of the most anticlimactic last at bat that he fouled out to uh to the third baseman it was like a pop-up yeah, you wish his career could have gone on longer because he just finally seemed to have a good team again um, with with the pitching that the Mets put together. But I used to, the guy was just betrayed by his body. So did you play sports growing up? I know you said you came here uh, in the 90s, but did you, being a big NBA fan, did you play basketball uh, growing up? Yeah, just, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn and we'd play obviously in the parks and the courts. And so that was, uh, you know, kind of where I grew up and loved to love the sport of basketball as much as the NBA, just playing basketball. So uh, I'll ask you, without further ado, what's your craziest, funniest, most embarrassing sports story? All right, so I had to think about this. Um, and this probably came in college, and it's probably more embarrassing and shameful than anything else. I, I was covering basketball, the Rutgers men's basketball team, for the school paper at Rutgers. That's where I went to school. And back then, it was still the Big East tournament. 
Um, and so I somehow managed to procure uh, a media credential for the entire Big East tournament, even though Rutgers obviously was going to get eliminated on the first day. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I went to, I think it was the third night of the tournament. It was a Thursday night. Uh, and this was during final uh, midterms, during midterms. And um, I went to the game, and it was Syracuse-UConn. And I remember it was a tight game at the end of regulation. And I oh, said... Is, is this a six-overtime game? This is the six-overtime game. And I was there oh, with a friend goodness. of mine. And I, was yeah. like, and I was like, oh, yeah, it was a good game. But, um, you know, I got finals tomorrow. I got to go back and study. And I had a final at 8 a.m. And I was like, I had to go back and study. It's like 8.30 or probably later. Um, it was probably like 9.30, whatever, 10 o'clock. Um, and I was like, I have to go back and study and I have my final. Um, and, you know, it was a close game regulation. I was like, yeah, this will probably go to OT and that's fine. And I'll, I guess I'll have to miss it. So I go, I leave. And obviously MSG is right above Penn Station. And I take the train, the NJ Transit to Rutgers. Um to go back and do some studying and i'm like following it on my phone at the time and i'm like oh man i went to ot that's cool and we're talking to my friends like oh wow it's in double ot um and you know like by the time i got home it was like an hour 75 minutes later and it was in you know triple ot or whatever ot it was in and i was just like oh my god i can't believe that i left this game and so that's i think that's my most shameful thing was leaving the six ot uh syracuse yukon game because I had to study for a final the next morning. I feel like no matter who you talk to, every big sports fan has that one game that they left that they're like, oh my goodness, that's the craziest thing ever. Like I, I left a Yankee game once when they were down by like eight runs, and I left in like the seventh inning because I was like, I have to go back, I'm, it's, it's late. And it was the game where they hit back-to-back-to-back home runs. And they rallied from like eight runs down to, to win. And it was like one at the time, I think even me, I may have been more. It might have been like 11 runs. It was like the biggest overcome deficit in like the ninth inning. <laughs> yeah. I have a yeah, that, you're I have almost a friend, like ashamed to admit those things. Yeah, I have a friend that left the Aaron Boone game early because he had school in the morning and his parents were like, we got to go. And he left the Aaron Boone game early. Oh, yeah. I like I said, it's like it's hard. Dude. You never know. You never think you're you think you might miss on something cool, but not necessarily something historic. I think that's why there's just uh, no living it down. I, one of my friends and I, we now we say uh, any playoff game we've been to since you got to stay for the whole playoff game. Big East tournament is a little different because I understand what you're doing. You, you had to you had midterms to study for. You had to go home. That's how I rationalized it to myself. Yeah. Um in hindsight, maybe I should have just brought the books with me and stayed there. Now, the real question is, how did you do on that midterm? Because if you didn't do well in the midterm, then then I don't know if it was worth it. <laughs> uh, no, I think I did pretty well. I mean, I, I think by leaving myself that little time to study for a midterm, I was kind of confident that I would still do okay. Uh, but it still hurt. Yeah, I um, so I went to Syracuse, and obviously that game, notorious. Everyone knows that one. But there was, there was a few games that I stayed to till the end, even when Syracuse was blowing them out, just because I was like, I can't, I can't leave early. I don't want to, I don't want to leave the game early just in case. I think that's fine. I, you under, you have the history for it. Like you understand how vital an error that might be. Uh, but Mike, thanks so much for being on uh, and where can everyone find your writing and uh, follow you? Oh, thanks for having me. I mean, you can go to the athletic.com. I cover the Knicks for them there. And, um, you know, you can subscribe 
Uh, if you don't, if you don't have a subscription yet, we're doing a 90 day free trial at the moment. Uh, but I, you know, we cover everything at the athletic and I think you'll, uh, you'll enjoy it for more than just the Knicks coverage. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. And, uh, I hope you stay healthy and healthy and safe. And I hope to see you at MSG soon. Yeah. Same here. And I hope we can stay safe and we'll talk when there's basketball again. And welcome back. Ty, you know, we missed you. No, I missed that. That was awesome. So I did some research after the episode, and I said Charles Oakley was on the coaching staff of the Rockets. He actually was on a 10-day contract in 2004, and those were the last games that he played. I forgot Charles Oakley, Charles Oakley ended his career on the Rockets. So is this your second PSA you're doing? <laughs> First one's Pat you. You're going to be on the commercial with the Cuomo and Fauci saying this? <laughs> uh, no. Do, do you I remember no. So I didn't remember that at all. Yeah. Do you have a game that you ever left early? Because we all we all have. We all left a game early. Well, I haven't had a game I left early where I regretted it. So you only remember if you regret it. Like, well, I was once at with you at a game. <laughs> you left early and it ended up being like pretty great game. You know what? We were talking about this earlier. I completely forgot that I left it. It was the Cavs versus the Knicks, and the Knicks beat LeBron's Cavs, and I left at halftime. Yeah, and it, well, and the Cavs were up by a lot, and you were like, oh, "I got to go to this thing," and you left, and it was your tickets. <laughs> and you let <laughs> like you brought three guys to the game, and we we're all like, "Wow!" And then you're like, "See you later, suckers!" And you like left, <laughs> and we we're like, "I guess we're at this game," and it ended up being like an amazing game. But yeah, also but the uh, who, who wants to see the Knicks win against LeBron? <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, I just got to say. Uh, it's great just hearing about the Knicks and sports. It made me feel like sports were still going on. <laughs> you know, I know we were talking about that they're not. But, you know, just talking about it, it just feels good, you know? Yeah, I, uh, you know, everyone's trying to find an outlet right now for their missing sports. I know the NBA has the horse game coming up. Uh, we'll see. It, was, it, was, it was two nights ago. It already happened? Yeah, it was it was it left it left a little it left you know something to be desired. Uh, what's saying, uh, damn? <laughs> you know what's funny? I saw I I saw JJ Reddick tweet like no one's gonna watch horse. Maybe he was right. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was I recorded. I was excited, um, and I was not excited after watching it for a few minutes. <laughs> It's left a lot to be desired. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> leave it as that. The have you watched any? Have you watched any old games? Oh man, that's I've been watching tons of old games. I watched what is it? Last night I watched '96 Yankees Braves. I watched uh, Pete Maravich against the Knicks the night before that. I watched uh, Braves. Was it Braves Twins World Series in the early '90s? Jack Morris against Smoltz. I watched. Uh, oh, well, I watched the uh, Spurs Heat, the finals. Oh, then I watched. Uh, then I watched the Ron Artest documentary on Showtime. Then I. It just keeps going. <laughs> I can keep going. Keep going from there. I just. Say, I'm excited that ESPN moved up uh, the Bulls documentary. That's supposed to release yeah. soon. Yeah, it's amazing how. I feel like every basketball fan I speak to is aware that they 
Like, you know, when the Bulls documentary is coming out? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's coming soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's all we're looking forward to. You watched the Ben Affleck basketball movie? No, I didn't watch that either. You watched it? Nah, I saw it on demand, but I was like, I'm not going to pay 20 bucks for this. I'm, like, positive that it's everyone just knows it as the Ben Affleck basketball movie. (laughs) And it will forever be known as the Ben Affleck basketball movie. Like, no one's going to remember what it's called. They're going to be like, remember that Ben Affleck basketball movie? It's like yeah. um, Sylvester Stallone had an arm wrestling movie. You remember that? No. <laughs> Stallone's arm wrestling movie, you know? <laughs> if you go check it out. It's ridiculous. Over the top, I think. Over the top. Let's check with this, the team in the back. It's over the top. Yeah, the Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie. He's like an arm wrestler and he's got a... I forget. Maybe, I, maybe that's what I got to watch today. Well, T, you're going out on top. You got Calvin Ripken. You got over the top. You're two for two. (laughs) Going out over the top, right? (laughs) All right, where where can they find us, Dave? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quadrupleovert and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and stay safe and healthy out there. Yes, and also be, uh, if you're interested, check out the free trial for The Athletic. It's great. Yeah, shout out to The Athletic. All right. See you next time. All right. See ya.